Hi, I'm Adam McKay, and welcome to Bedtime Stories with Adam McKay, the show where we improvise a bedtime story to hopefully help you ease into a wonderful night of sleep during these crazy, bonkers times that we're living through. Hello, Adam McKay. Hi, Harry. Um, I'm going to get right to it because I'm very nervous about this. We have a guest today. Oh, I think I know who it is. Yes. And I'm really excited. I've loved our guests, first off. But this one, I mean... Do you want to say who it is? Yeah, John Lurie. John Lurie is here today. Musician, actor, painter, the host of Painting with John member of the legendary jazz group, The Lounge Lizards. I remember seeing the movie Stranger Than Paradise, directed by Jim Jarmusch, starring John Lurie, when I was like a freshman in college and being like, what the hell am I seeing? (laughs) Um, Other little story about John Lurie, when I was at SNL in New York City, was at a bar in the Lower East Side with, I think, Farrell, Anna Gasteyer, Buck, Dennis McDicholas, and our table was right by the pool table. And uh, I had my back to it, and all of a sudden, wham! A pool stick, the back of a pool stick, hit me in the head, and I turned around, and it was John Lurie. <laughs> and John's very cool. He's like, hey, man, I'm sorry. And I'm like, you're John Lurie. <laughs> While suffering, you know, a, a knot on my head is forming. Yeah. I love John Lurie. I just think he's a, a bit of a national treasure and a great storyteller. Yeah. I mean, so... I, this is too much of a buildup. I don't think I've done him a service by being this high. Yeah, the stakes the, have never been higher. I, I'm excited. This is good. Yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to it. He, had, I will be honest that he intimidates me a little bit. He should. Yeah, he should. So you need a word. I need a word. He needs a word. Oh, all right, all right, all right, all right. Oh. Do you know John and I both? basically grew up in the same town, but he was like five years ahead of me. Mm-hmm. Worcester, Worcester, Massachusetts. Worcester, Mass. Yeah, my dad was a musician, and it's highly possible they cross paths. Um, so I'm going to give the suggestion of an old tin can. An old tin can. Yeah. Great. All right, let's see what he does with it. Thanks, uh, Adam. Thank you, Harry. Hi, John. Hi, Harry. <laughs> How are you? A little groggy. I, I didn't sleep much, and I thought I'd take a nap, but that can sometimes backfire you on you. So I'm sort of bumping into things at the moment. Yeah, I, I often find that when I take a nap, I wake up more tired than I was when I went to Sometimes you wake up perfect. I rarely get it right. I usually uh, oversleep or undersleep, and it's... Actually, you only get it perfect when you don't have something to do. So you get up an hour before, you know, you wake up an hour before whatever you're supposed to do. But mm-hmm. if you just have nothing to do, like it's your day off and you take a nap, then you can feel great. Yeah, that's actually true. I I, I have a problem where sometimes I can't, like I'll stay up really late and can't sleep. And then I'm, 
I have maybe four hours until I need to be somewhere. Yeah. But when I think of that as a small nap, then that usually makes me feel better about the lack of sleep I'm getting. Does that make sense? I'll try it. Oh, you don't have to try it. So do you sleep well, usually? No, I sleep horribly, really horribly. It's my biggest problem in life. I sleep really badly. What Have you found anything that makes it better? I mean, I had sleep apnea really badly for a while, and then I got tested for it, and I didn't have it. So, oh. But I'm assuming it came back. But I also get night sweats, and I don't know what's causing them. Well, how's your sleep hygiene? <laughs> Is it okay if I ask you that? What does that mean? Like, they say you're supposed to, like, not look at screens 30 minutes before you go to bed or not, like, read a book or something to sort of engage your mind outside of... I mean, I usually meditate before I go to sleep, but it doesn't... It used to always work, and it doesn't work anymore. But even if I do fall asleep, I wake up... I can wake up after an hour, and then if I manage to fall back asleep, I'll only sleep for another hour. It's beginning to drive me insane, to tell you the truth. Well, I'm sorry to hear it. Maybe this podcast is exactly what you need. Maybe I'll fall asleep in the middle of it and we'll have to do (laughs) it every night. (laughs) I also want to say, I've noticed the the beautiful chirping of of tree frogs in the... I don't know if that's officially a chirp, but yeah, croaking. Frogs croak, yeah. I guess croak is the technical term. Anyway, Adam McKay has given you a word, a small phrase, actually, uh, to begin your bedtime story. It's a phrase? Oh. Well, it's, it's one, two, three, four words. Right. It's an old tin can. Tin can? Tin can. Okay. This happened a while ago when Todd was not still a boy, but not a man yet. He was maybe 17. And... He left his parents' house and turned right instead of left. He usually went left because at the end of the block when he turned right, there was a witch that hung out there. And she didn't live near there, but she was always hanging out there, flying around in little circles. And she wasn't an evil witch. She wasn't a good witch either. She was sort of in between the two, but he wanted to avoid her. And she would be there standing around. And when she flew around, she didn't use a broomstick. I don't know where that comes in. That That's a myth that the witches find very offensive. They're, they don't use, they just fly. But they don't do it often because they don't fly very quickly. So she would stand there and with her long fingers pretend to smoke cigarettes that didn't really exist. And then she would throw them to the curb. And every once in a while... An Igor-like character, who not coincidentally people called Igor, would come and sweep up the invisible cigarettes. And he walked by her and he waved, and she sort of waved in a not hostile but not friendly way. And he walked on past her by this big house at the end of the street and went through the backyard. And there was a field of clover, just this... It almost didn't felt like you were walking on mattresses or not even mattresses, something nicer than that. Time out. What's my phrase? An old tin can. And on top of the hill, there was an old tin can, but it was big. And not just big, it was gigantic. It was maybe 20 feet tall. And there were ladders on either side of the can. 
So he climbed up to the top of the can and looked down, but it was really dark. And he just said, what the fuck is this? He said that to himself. He wasn't allowed to swear at home or in school, but when he thought things, he sweared all the time. And so he said, what the fuck is this? If I'm a coward, I won't go. But if I'm brave, I will jump down and see what's in there. And I thought this could be a gigantic, gigantic hole. It could go on for hundreds of feet. And I'll be crushed to my death if I jump. And then he just said, fuck it. And he jumped. And he only went down about 20 feet. And then he landed in water. And there was a slight light over to his side. So he swam over to it. And it was actually the shore. And he came out. And he could see another light, which was like the mouth of a tunnel. And he came outside and he was outside. Everything was different now. This was a different place. And he started to walk. And he could sort of see that there was a, a little village in one direction. And he headed towards the village. And the vibe was really, really different there. I mean, in a very, very quick conversation with a man standing on the corner, he realized that there was no war. And there was no war because there was no reason for it. And the art world actually dealt with beautiful paintings, not pieces of plastic that museum owners were convinced were valuable because they had a deal with a gallery owner. And movies were not made with the people in charge in that position through nepotism, but through their desire to make meaningful, wonderful movies. And he liked it here, but he knew he couldn't stay. Where would he live? And now he didn't quite know how to get back. There was no way to go get back to his house by going back into the water and swimming and going up. There was no ladder into the old tin can. There was only the sides of the old tin can. So he walked, and there were birds, and there were squirrels, and armadillos, orangutans. There were leopards, but he wasn't afraid of the leopards. You could just tell the leopards weren't going to hurt him unless they were very, very hungry, and he felt like that was fair. And then he suddenly got very, very tired, and he lay down in the grass and fell asleep, and he began to dream. He dreamed that he was climbing up the field of clover and approaching an old tin can that was gigantic with ladders on the side. So he climbed up the ladders and jumped and landed in a pool of water and then swam to the shore and then saw a light and walked towards the light and came outside. And he had almost the same experience that he had in real life when he was awake in this place, except now he erased the part about there was no war and the thing about the art world and the movie business because he thought that that was silly. But other than that, it was just quite wonderful there. And so he got to a field and he lay down 
and his breath became slow, and he breathed in deeply through his nose and out through his mouth, and he wondered what he would do the next day. He knew what he should do, but maybe these things he should do, he shouldn't do at all. Time out. How long have I gone? It's been about 10 minutes. So I got a lot more to go? You're, you're halfway there. I'm only halfway. I'm <laughs> running out of my, my, my imagination is running dry. How is it so far? It's great. I'm enjoying it. Okay. But, you, but it kind of sucks if you know that the storyteller is grasping at straws. Anyway, okay, okay, yeah, go on. So he got up from the clover and he walked back towards the town. And there was a place that sold beach chairs. And he tried one of the beach chairs out and he fell asleep. Deep, deep sleep. And while he was sleeping, he dreamt that he was in a field of clover. And then he was in a field of clover where he fell asleep and he dreamed he was in a beach chair, which turned into a piano stool, which turned into a couch that his family had owned 20 years earlier, which was weird because he was only 17. So it was weird that he knew about this couch that they had gotten rid of before he was even born, but he'd seen it in a picture, but he never saw that couch, but now he knew what it smelled like. And he knew what it felt like, the, the fabric it had this kind of nice, worn thing, that thing where something's really used but hasn't fallen apart yet. He loved that couch that he'd never seen. How much I got left? That was two minutes. That was two minutes, three more minutes. Okay. <laughs> I mean, if you... If no, you no, want no I, got it, I got it, I got an okay, ending okay. now. I got an ending, I got an ending. So he woke himself up from the couch which left him on a beach chair in a store. And he realized he was still dreaming. So he woke himself up from that. But he was in a field of clover. So he woke himself up from the clover. And when he woke up from the clover, he was back in the village. And then he woke himself up outside the old tin can that he had jumped down inside of, but then he said to himself, is this the tin can from real life or is this the tin can from the dream? How do I know? And he, so he tried to wake himself up, but he couldn't. So he thought, well, this must be real life. And so he walked back home, thinking his house would be where it should be. And he walked past the witch who said, how was it? He said, it was okay, it was strange. I'm a little confused with what happened. She said, yeah, well, that's how it goes, kid. Would you like a cigarette? No, no, I don't want a cigarette. I'd like some candy if you have any. And she said, don't you know to never take candy from a witch? What's wrong with you? He said, I'm sorry. You seem like a nice witch. She said... You're lying. I can tell you're lying. I don't seem like a nice witch. Now go home, go home, go home, go home. So he walked down the block towards his house, and his mother and father were in the living room with a strange smile on their face, and in each hand they had old tin cans, which was weird. 
But he'd already known that weeks before, his parents had been taken over by aliens. So it didn't bother him that much to just see the tin cans in the house. The end. <laughs> I really like the twist ending. I was really fascinated by the witch character smoking cigarettes that didn't exist. I yeah, but that, that was the only thing I thought. I thought I, that was the only thing I thought about in advance, like <laughs> you know. And um, I wasn't sure. Sometimes, I mean, when the band used to play, I used to get up and tell stories that would go on for twenty minutes, just off the top of my head. Mm-hmm. Usually about small barking dogs, but if they're not going bad, you don't have this timeline of twenty minutes. Yeah. I think it was it was good. Yeah. Bye. It was nice it was nice yeah, you did a great job. It was nice to meet you. Okay. Bye. Bye. Bedtime Stories with Adam McKay is a production of Hyperobject Industries and Sony Music Entertainment. It's executive produced by Adam McKay, Claire Slaughter, and me, Harry Nelson, with production assistance by Jordan Allen and Zaley Mahone. Engineering and sound design by Isaac Lee. Special thanks to our guest, John Lurie, who also composed the music for this episode. Floating, Once Upon a Time, Hermits Unite, and She Talks to Toasters. Thanks for listening, and I hope everything's feeling good tonight. Hey, Bob, yeah. <laughs> <laughs>